0: We are going to start our series, our, continue our series today, and I'm looking forward to this. And uh, if you're taking notes, I know you're all taking notes every single weekend. But this is going to be called the Tale of the Two Sons. Now, recently, we, my boys and I, we play hockey in the back alley. Uh, I got there's there's a row of garages in my in my backyard. I got my garage and then there's a row of, of garages all the way down my back alley. And we play lots of hockey there. Uh, it's a bit sloped. And so we're kind of figuring out how to play hockey because, you know, it, the ball rolls down the hill. And so I went out with my two boys one day and uh, we went to go play some hockey. It was a little chilly outside. So I had to like convince them to come outside. I don't know all you parents if you ever have to convince your kids to go outside. Most parents do, right? But then we went outside and we played some hockey. And uh, sure enough you know one of my boys is six and one of my boys is nine jude is nine and theo six and so we go out back and we go play some hockey and if you have young kids especially at the age of six you want them to gain their confidence Right, so you want to let them score a few easy goals, so they get all like jacked up on themselves. Right? Oh yeah, yeah, dad, I can score on my dad. Right? So then you, you heighten it up again. Right? And and when they when they get like excited, then they're like, oh yeah, let's keep playing some hockey. So I let Theo score, my six year old score a few easy goals. Right? It's like oh yeah, a few easy goals. He's just getting his confidence up. Right? But then his brother Jude's like, I'm not going to let my brother score some easy goals. Right? That's how brotherhood goes. And so he starts like going after Theo. Well, Theo doesn't score anymore goals and this starts becoming a frustration between the two of them and as a dad you know you want both your kids to have fun and and but I want you know I want them to be able to play together but the, the truth is you can't just score easy goals all the time right you gotta you gotta learn to score those goals so I, uh, we we, we so I was telling Theo you know you gotta kind of step up your game a little bit here bud and uh he didn't like that right and so uh he's like well dad let me score a goal so I, I say fine take a free shot so he goes to take a free shot Jude blocks the ball Okay, he blocks the ball on a free shot. Not supposed to happen. Theo, upset, runs into the house, right? So now I have this dilemma. Do I go chase after my son Theo or do I stay with my son Jude who just wants to play some hockey? He's just trying to play some hockey, right? And so I'm in this dilemma. Eventually, my son Theo comes back, right? And so I come back and I go to Talk to him and I'm like, oh, Theo, thanks for coming back out. Do you want to play hockey? No, I don't want to play hockey. We start having this conversation. We're trying to figure all of that out. When in reality, right, Jude is standing there still and he's going, oh, my goodness. Dad's now interacting with Theo. Theo left and he made a big deal. And now he comes back and now he's taking time for me. I'm supposed to be playing hockey with dad. On and on and on it goes. It's the story of two sons. And like a father to my two sons... So as we head into today's story, God is is the father in this story. Um, We're going to have the story of two sons. One son that leaves and goes his own way and one son that stays. And a similar conflict arises like the conflict I had with my two sons. Now, as we head into today's story, it's a very popular story. It's in the book of Luke chapter 15. And in Luke chapter 15, if you start from the very beginning of the chapter, we're going to kind of jump down to verse 11, but at the very beginning of the chapter, there's two other stories. One of the stories is a story about a shepherd who goes after one lost sheep. He leaves 99 sheep that are already there, and he goes after the lost sheep. That's the first story. And then you got the second story. Second story is about a woman who loses a coin in her house. And so she's like, or coins in her house, and she's like, I got to go find these coins. They're valuable to me. She goes searching around like the shepherd for the sheep. Goes searching around, finds the coin, celebrates, throws a party. I found my money, I was going to celebrate. And then the shepherd, I found my sheep, celebrate. And in all of these stories, when we get to the last story, it's the story of the prodigal son. When really it's the tale of two sons. But in the story of the prodigal son, we see something that's lost. And the the, the heartbeat behind the, this, the father in the story is to find his lost sons. Now, as we head into this, today's passage, I want to say one other thing. The other thing I want to say is that the the audience, which Jesus tells this story. Now, the audience is one tax collectors and the other Pharisees. Now, let me explain that to you. You're like tax collectors. Okay. So is this like the CRA? Is that what we're talking about here? No, no, no. Different than that. The tax collectors Well, the story that this takes place, Jesus was a Jew, and he would have been speaking to Jews. Now, tax collectors to the Jewish people were were those people that were Jewish, but they were kind of working for the enemy. This is what it means, right? They're Jewish, but they're working for the enemy. What I mean by that is that they were Jews that would then go, on behalf of Rome, would go collect the tax from the people. So people didn't like them for obvious reasons. They took money for themselves, and they took money for Rome. Now, most tax collectors took more money for themselves than they should have. And Rome kind of turned a blind eye. Why? Because who cares? They're getting their pay, and then the tax collectors get their pay, and people just aren't loving these tax collectors. They're in the room. Now, the other people in the room are the religious leaders, the Pharisees, the ones that make sure every law is... is, is Every law is, 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 um, is lived out. They're making sure that they got their list. They're checking it twice and they're crushing it. Like Santa Claus would absolutely love the Pharisees, right? Because they just nail every single rule. And Jesus tells the story of the prodigal son or the tale of two sons to these two groups. Now we got to read this through the lens of these two groups. Because for, for us as a church or for those that, that listen to the story, we have to understand the people that are in the room, the sinners, the worst, The wayward ones, the tax collectors, who've left this Jewish tradition, and they're turning their backs on their people and messing their people over. And then you got the religious leaders that are going, "Can you see what those people are doing?" And those two people are in the room, and Jesus speaks directly to them today about God's, as we said last week. If you missed it, you can go back and watch it. God's benevolent love. It's not because, again, this love is not a love that is given to us because we've done something amazing. It's not something because we look so pleasurable and beautiful that he's like, oh, you've done something so amazing, so I'm going to respond to you. No, God's benevolent agape love is purely a response based on his goodwill, not our good works. So let's head into the story today. We're going to jump into Luke 15, chapter 11. Here we go. And uh, you can follow along in the verses on the screen. Jesus continued, it said, right? He told the story of the shepherd, told the story of the lost coin, and now he's on the prodigal son. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. It's kind of like me. I got two sons, right? The younger one said to his father, father, give me a share of my estate. Oh, okay. So he divided his property between them. And now you got to understand what's happening here. This would have been deeply offensive. Right? It's like saying, Dad, I wish you were dead so I could get your inheritance. That's what's happening here. And not just that, but generally in Jewish culture, now it wasn't always the case, but most often the case in Jewish culture, that what would happen is the property would go to the oldest son. That was who gained the majority of the inheritance. And so it's not happening in this this sense. The younger son is saying, I want some of it too. Deeply offensive both to one of the sons, the older son, and to the father. Now it continues. Not long after that... So he divides the property. Not long after that, the younger son pieces out, right? The younger son got together all he had and he set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. Ooh. This is, I'm going to call this the son of self discovery, the wayward son. The son that says, I'm going to figure this out all on my own, Dad. I don't need you. I can save myself. I don't need you, Dad. I need your inheritance and all your money. I can take all your traditions and I can take all that you work for, but I don't really need you, Dad. We know how that feels, right? When somebody kind of does something to us or we've invested a lot, right? It's not a great feeling. But for some of you, as you hear this story, the tax collectors again sitting in the room, like the worst of the worst sinners, right, are sitting in the room. Some of you today, you're just joining into church for the first time, and you're like, you haven't been in a while. Or maybe you've never been to church, and you're just beginning your journey. And you're like, well, I didn't even know, like in the story, the son, the wayward son, and God is the father. You're like, well, I didn't even know that there was a father who cared and loved for me. I didn't walk away from the father. I just didn't even know there was. And I, good news is, and i will here to share that with you today is that you got to know that there's a God in heaven who loves you that has a plan and a purpose for you. It's amazing. And if this is your first time at church, or you're just trying to figure this whole thing out. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Now there's others of you that are like this son that you've been with. You've had this relationship with God and you walked away for a period of time. Maybe you got hurt. Maybe you got confused. You wanted to pursue other things. You wanted something new purely maybe for the sake of it. And Jesus, as if he turns to these tax collectors, just imagine with me in the room, right? He turns to them. He's like, I know you're being progressive. I know that you're deconstructing your way forward. I know that you're living that liberal human way of being a tax collector and being in the culture more than you are out of it. You've wandered away from the faith. You've gone your own way. And I want to speak to you today. And the story continues in verse 14. After he had spent everything that he had, there was a severe famine in the whole country. He could control the spending, but he couldn't control the famine. Isn't that true of life that sometimes we do it to ourselves, and sometimes there's circumstances around us that force us into difficult situations? What's one of those? COVID-19, right? And he began to be in need. So he went and he hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him into a field To feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. This is not good. All of us. Regardless if if we're in an easy situation or not, everyone can look at the story and say, man, eating with pigs is a terrible thing. To long for the food of pigs is a terrible thing. Verse 17, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out, I love those words, and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of those hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. I love this part of the story because he knows he can still return home. He knows that there's loving arms. He knows that there's a place that he can go back. The thing I find interesting about this is he's like, well, I still got to come up with some story of why I got here. I got to justify why I'm away. As if his justifications for wandering and his justifications for spending are going to dictate how his father loves him or not. And the truth is they don't. And the truth is in our lives, when we wander, when we go away, Even in our justifications of what we've done wrong, it's not going to change God's mind. God's heart, God's love towards us is that agape love. It's not based on what our good works, but his good will for us. So let's continue in the story. So he got up and it went to his father. says, but while he was still a long way off of this, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son. He threw his arms around him and he kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and I have sinned against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father, look at this, he totally ignores the son's response. (laughs) Quick. Bring the best robe, put it on him. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Put sandals on his feet, put a ring on his finger, right? For this son of mine, this daughter of mine, what was dead and is now alive. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. In the story of the sheep, in the story of the coin, in the story of the prodigal son here, each time that which is lost is found, there's a celebration Who likes to party, church? Do you? Yeah, I do, right? So we can celebrate, right? The good things that God is doing. The father doesn't even hesitate to celebrate the return of his son. We often stop at this point in the story, though. However, there is two sons. And before we get to the second son, I want to talk about this for a moment. Is God never hesitates in celebrating the return of one of his children. Let me say that again. God never hesitates in celebrating the return of one of his children. Oh, let's figure, let's see if uh, this person really, really means it. Let's wait at least three months to make sure that decision settles it. The son comes home, boom, there's a celebration. And for every person that not just returns to church, right? But returns to the father, that returns to God, let us celebrate be quick to celebrate what God has done in their lives. And there's a second son. So we've got the son of self-discovery, but there's a second son. Let's talk about this. Meanwhile, verse 25. Ooh, I like that. Meanwhile, something else going on. The older son was in the field, okay? And when he came near the house, he, near the house he heard music and dancing. I don't know why I thought about this, but I was thinking about, like Jay Beeb's, I'm sorry. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. It's too late now to say sorry. Like the son is singing this to his dad. I know oh, oh, that I let you down. Is it too late to say I'm sorry now? And the, 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 the older brothers outside like, why are they singing Justin Bieber in the house? I'm sorry. What is going on right now, right? He's clearly going to get upset that his son, I don't know why I thought of that song, but his son, the younger son has come home. So he called one of the servants And he asked him like, what's going on? The servant says, your brother has come. He replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. I will not keep singing chat feed. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. Refused to go in. And before you get too quick about the judgment here, you gotta know something. At the beginning of the story, what did it say? The father divided his estate to two sons, the fattened calf that's killed, the ring and the robe that is put, and the sandals that's put on the son, the party in the house that it's running, the sound system, I know they didn't have one, I just projected that into the story, okay? But the music that's being played, everything that is happening is the inheritance of the older son. <sighs> Oh, I didn't think that it would cost me for my younger son to come home or the younger brother to come home. Like, come on. This is, gonna, this is embarrassing. I've stayed here the whole time. I've been working. I've been slaving. That's my money. And then the younger brother comes home and he gets all this blessing. Come on. The father gives the inheritance of the older son to the younger son after he squandered it. Think about that for a moment. As you think about that, you start going, well, now I can totally understand Why he's not going in. So the father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father. Look at this response. Look! (laughs) I don't know. I was a bit angry, okay? But all these years I've been slaving for you. Oh, I thought you had the inheritance already, right? He's a bit of, he's construed a bit. And never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. Yeah, you had your inheritance, bud. But when his son of yours, look at this, when this son of yours, look at those words. He doesn't even call him his brother. When this son of yours has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf. This brother uh, brother seems in the story to obey his father to get his stuff. This is what religious people do. They obey God to get his things, but not God himself. Now, I just got to say something real quick. For those of you that are watching today, you're the first time here, you're trying to figure this whole God thing out, uh, or you're returning back to God, you've kind of distanced yourself. I just got to say, you know, th- what I'm about to say next is not for you. It's for those of us that have been in church for a while. It's those of us that, that have been faithful. And, and it's easy to get to this, sp- this space of moving from relationship to religiosity, Now, this is the son. One son, that's the wayward son, is the son of self-discovery. But then on the other hand, we have the son of moral conformity. I'm going to comply, God, with your laws or with your rules, and therefore you owe me. I don't know if you've noticed this about religious people, but there's like this undercurrent of anger. They believe that because they've done the right thing, God needs to bless them. They believe that because they've done the right thing, that God needs to have go their way instead of maybe God's way. And they're angry when things like COVID-19 happen. It wasn't supposed to be hard. I still went to church every single week. Why is this happening to me? We begin to ask these questions. And part of life is about asking those big questions. But serving God and being faithful to God doesn't mean that God does everything that you want Him to do. <laughs> Serving God and loving God is about surrendering to Him. And the Son here is not motivated by love, He's motivated by stuff. And even deeper, though, is the same with the other brother. Both brothers, I would say, in this story are lost. One is trying to earn, is trying to find his way in the world and comes back to the Father and is found. And there's one son who's lost in his religiosity at home and is missing what, the, what his father gives to him that's best for him, the father's love. Both sons were trying. What they really needed was to capture the father's heart. Both of them tried to earn it. The one son who comes back is like, i got to come up with this story and earn my way back. And the father's like, I just accept you. And the other son's like, you know what? I gotta, I've done all this list. You owe me. And look at the father's response to the son in verse 31. I love this. My son, the father said, you are always with me. And everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate. I love that. God had to celebrate and be glad because this older brother of yours, or this younger brother of yours was dead and is alive again. You see, at one point, The the son says, that's your son. And now the father's saying, your brother, and is alive again. And he was lost, and he is now found. You know what strikes me about this story is both times, in both instances, as one son is far off, the father initiates the relationship back with his son. In the story of the son who's outside, the older son, who's upset at his younger brother for coming home, God, in this story, the father right initiates again a relationship with his religious son. The father initiates change with his love on both of the sons. God initiates the love we all need to take the steps we all desire to know Him. God initiates the love we all need to take the steps we all desire to know the Father, to know God. God is the one that initiates with His agape love, that benevolent love towards us. That's why in John three sixteen, whether you've watched football forever, <laughs> right? And they hold up the signs, right? Which is the, not, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. What is this part of the verse? For God so loved that he gave. And what is true about the father in this story is the father gives and he gives and he gives and he gives and he gives. And it's the initiating love of the father that brings both sons back. But I got to say something here real quick. Is at the end of the story. I I, kind of find this frustrating with some uh, TV shows. Maybe you find this frustrating too. It's cliffhangers. Anyone with me? It's like, man, I watch a half an hour or an hour of a TV show and then you leave me hanging. So you're going to make me binge the next one, right? (laughs) I just, oh, come on. And sure enough, the Bible has a cliffhanger here. The story ends with the father going out and saying, would you please come in? But it never says what the religious son does. And here's what I think is so important in this story. Think about the room again. There's tax collectors, and there's, there's, uh, there's tax collectors, and there's Pharisees. And Jesus is talking to both of them. The tax collectors clearly know that they need a way back in. But the Pharisees, they're pretty sure that they've got it all figured out. But at the end of the story, at the cliffhanger, it's as if Jesus is speaking to the Pharisee. Or speak people Jesus is speaking to those religious people that have been church for a long time and maybe you've crushed your Bible plan and your streak on you version is like hundreds and hundreds of days or maybe you've you've gone to church and you've been faithful to church online and some of you're like oh my goodness you know church online it's not for me but you have endured church online or maybe you've you're, you're enjoying the benefits of church online I don't know where you find yourself, but you've knocked off all the boxes Jesus and you feeling like God you owe me and you're in that religious camp Jesus in the middle of all that, it speaks to us. And I include myself in this part of the story because it's so easy to drift into that mindset. But you ever wonder what happened to the older son in the story? As you hear this, did he go in or did he just stay out? The point here I think Jesus is making to all those that are religious is what are you going to choose to do? Are you going to adopt the Father's heart for the wayward child, for that unchurched person, for that person that you've been calling out, oh, I'm going to say it, on social media for a really long time, that they finally return, not back to church, but back to the Father's heart. Maybe that's through church, but back to the Father, and they call themselves a Christian. You're like, oh man, I've been calling you out on socials for a long time. I I don't know how I'm going to be able to let you back in. Are you going to adopt the Father's heart? Here, and celebrate those returning home? Are you going to adopt the father's heart for the wayward child, or will you remain angry and distance yourself from the father and stay outside and say, you know what, I just can't do that? Or are you going to adopt it? Or maybe you identify, if you're not identifying with the older son, maybe the younger son, will you turn to God's love? He knows you. He loves you. He sent Jesus to die on the cross and rise again for you. But it's up to you to respond to that love and turn and say, God, I'm pursuing you. For God extends his love through forgiveness to all those that turn to him. You see, the younger brother didn't have an older brother in the story that was willing to go rescue him, that was willing to sacrifice for him. But here's the incredible part of the story is Jesus is like our older brother who says, you can have all of my inheritance. I give it to you, though you wander. I'm willing to sacrifice I'm willing to die for you. I'm willing to give my whole life for you. We have an older brother in Jesus that's saying, when you come home, I'm going to celebrate with you. I'm not going to stay outside. And I'm not just here for one moment. I'm here for the long haul. And unlike the younger brother in this story, whose older brother was outside, our older brother, Jesus, is with us and sacrifices for us. The question is this. Will we turn to God's love? For those of you that identify with the younger brother, maybe you've never started that relationship with Jesus. Maybe you've turned away from your faith. Maybe you're wrestling with the Bible and you're wondering, oh, can I end up back in church? Maybe it's not a church question. Maybe right now we just need to put that to the side to just have a conversation about who is Jesus in your life. If that's you today, know that God's love is for you. If you're the religious person, and sometimes I fall into this camp If you're a religious person today, know that God loves you. You can't earn his love. You just need to receive it. And you need to know that even those people that come back to the faith, that were like, oh my goodness, I didn't see that coming. Let's be the first to celebrate. In it all, it's not through religion, it's not through self-discovery that we find the Father's love. It's in God himself. We can't earn it. We don't deserve it. It's just his goodwill for us. Let's pray. God, thanks so much for today. You are a good father to us. And we don't deserve that love, God. We can't earn that love. You just give it to us. And we thank you so much for that love that you've given us. God, we ask that you would encourage us throughout this week. We'd ask that you'd speak to us. Father, if we're lost in our religion, that you'd help us break free, find freedom. To open our hands and be generous to those around us. To celebrate those who are returning to you. And to be a a son or a daughter of you who opens their arms to those who are coming home. And right now, if you're across the screen and you've never taken that step towards Jesus, I want to say something. Uh, If you've never taken that step, you got to know that we are a church who just celebrates anyone that takes their next step of faith towards God. But it starts with this journey with God, that Jesus came and he died and he rose again. 2,000 years ago, he died on a cross. He rose again for you and our our sin, that we would gain access back to the Father, that Jesus went and he, he did it for our goodwill, not because we did the right things or not because we were beautiful enough or not because we knew enough scripture or not because we prayed enough or not because we were religious enough, just simply because he loved us and he loves you. And like this son, The younger son in the story, we need to turn back to God. And maybe that's your moment right now that you're going to turn back to God and you're going to say yes to Jesus. If that's you today, you can pray this prayer. And know that as you pray this prayer in faith, that God hears it, that God loves you, and that you, you will now have a relationship with God, that Jesus has made a way. And if that's you, you can pray this prayer. Thank you, Jesus, that you came and you died on the cross for me. I turn away from my sin and I turn to you. I thank you that you've restored that relationship with God again. I ask that you lead and you guide my life. Help me to take my next steps in following you. Thank you for saving me. Thank you, God, for your love. Thank you for knowing me and for drawing me close to you. Amen.